I usually start these episodes off with a soundscape, but this week, there's no humor or suspense to find in what's happening. So, I'm going to start with this warning. The following episode mentions sexual assault, sex trafficking, child porn, and the mass exploitation of sexually traumatic experiences. The legal online porn industry, legal being you will find it on the first page of Google, is a multi-billion dollar industry. And one company sits as king, but under their sex-positive vibes is a world of secret executives, sexual exploitation, and seemingly lax policies. This episode is not anti-porn. It's anti-sex trafficking. My name is Jacqueline Swan, and this is Technality, a podcast that explores technology and the future we're heading towards. And today, I'm looking at how the internet has changed sex trafficking. Meet Lila Micklewaite. I'm the founder and the CEO of the Justice Defense Fund, and I'm also the founder of the Global Trafficking Hub movement to hold Pornhub accountable. And for the last nine years, I've been investigating the intersection between what I call the big porn industry and its intersection with human trafficking um, and other crimes, sexual crimes, such as rape, non-consensual content, like spy cam videos, revenge porn, also called image-based sexual abuse and other non-consensual content. When something is online, it's online forever whether you were the one who uploaded the content or not. And for some, primarily women, this might include videos of the most traumatic moment of their lives. Women that have escaped sex trafficking rings are still haunted years later by the videos that were unconsensually taken and posted on Pornhub. And anyone can upload to the platform, At the time of recording this, there is no verification to confirm that the people in the video agreed to have it uploaded, or even agreed to be on video. Furthermore, any video can make money. And it's not just Pornhub making money, it's also the abusers. Anyone that's looking into this issue will end up on Pornhub. You actually would have to try hard not to end up on Pornhub if you were investigating pornography is ties to trafficking because it's the top result always, or at least was. So as I was navigating the site and trying to understand what the content was on this site, what the type of videos were, I was also very aware that when you go onto Pornhub, there's not even an are you 18 click through button to get to the site. And I was seeing that these look like homemade videos. They were. This is user-generated content. Pornhub is the world's YouTube of porn. They're the most popular, were the most popular and largest porn site in the world. 47 billion visits to the site in 2020. A research company named them the third most influential tech company on global society, the 10th most visited website in the world. And this was user-generated content. So anybody in the world with an iPhone could videotape a sex act and upload it. Many of them were studio produced and looked like 
professionally produced pornography, but a lot of the homemade videos that I was seeing appeared to be women who were distressed. Some of them were crying. They were protesting. Many of them actually looked like children, specifically underage teens and tweens with pigtails and braces. And they spoke like children and they were underdeveloped and they looked like children. And I began to question their upload process. I began to wonder how in the world they had 169 years worth of content uploaded every 12 months. So if you were to watch those videos back to back, it would take you 169 years to get through the content. And I would see how in the world are they vetting these videos? And one night I decided to test the upload system for myself. And what I discovered was what millions of people around the world already knew. And that is that all it took to upload content to Pornhub was an email address. No verification of ID to ensure that those are not children who are being used and abused in those videos. No consent form to ensure that these are not rape or trafficking or revenge porn victims in the videos. And because of that, the site became infested with videos of real sexual crime scenes. I often say that Pornhub is not a porn site. It's a crime scene. And I began to connect the dots with stories I was seeing in the media, like the 15-year-old girl from Florida who had been raped and abused and found in 58 videos on the site and was finally located in others. And I began to connect the dots and I decided I felt compelled that I had to sound the alarm on what was going on on this site. And so that's how Trafficking Hub emerged on my Twitter account. I started using the hashtag Trafficking Hub. It started to catch on. I wrote an op-ed about what I was finding that had viral traction, I started a petition called the Trafficking Hub Petition to shut down Pornhub and hold its executives accountable for aiding trafficking. And now that petition has over 2 million signatures from 192 countries. And the movement just kind of exploded from there. Hundreds of organizations got involved, hundreds of survivors. This issue was then covered in thousands of media pieces around the world to expose what was going on. And that's Trafficking Hub Movement. Thanks to Hashtag Trafficking Hub, survivors have emerged with their stories. More people have come forward seeking not only compensation, but accountability for what the platform allows. So many victims have been coming forward with their stories of abuse. And there's a a, a spectrum of abuse, of non-consensual content, from somebody planting a spy cam in a toilet at a prom bathroom and recording women against their will without their knowledge in dressing rooms and things like that. Nine women recently sued Pornhub for being filmed in a locker room naked without their knowledge and that being distributed globally with a download button so that 130 million people a day could download that content and now upload it again and again forevermore. Victims call it the immortalization of their trauma when their rape videos or their non-consensual content is uploaded to a site like Pornhub. One of the most impactful articles that was released with stories of victims was called The Children of Pornhub. And that was released in December of 2020 by the New York Times two-time Pulitzer Prize winning journalist Nicholas Kristof. And it just detailed story after story after story of child victims. So underage teens, mostly um, who had been, you know, had content of themselves, whether they were rape and trafficking videos or naked videos that they had sent to a boyfriend when they were 15 years old. And then those got uploaded to the site. So many of those victims said that they were suicidal. They were so traumatized and humiliated and shamed and bullied for what happened and for the way that these videos were uploaded online. Since 2020, there have now been 
well over 200 victims who have filed lawsuits against MindGeek and Pornhub in both the U.S. and Canada. So there's four class action lawsuits, and that would represent thousands of victims around the world. The total damages of all of these different lawsuits if you know potentially will be in the billions of dollars. There's two $600 million class action lawsuits being filed against Pornhub and MindGeek on behalf of victims in Canada alone. So they are starting to be held accountable by the very victims that they have exploited for over a decade. During my research, I stumbled across the International Watch Foundation They collect international information to help fight back against the sex trade. Based on their data, Facebook reported 12.4 million instances of child porn over three months. Pornhub only reported 118 instances of child porn over three years. Those were found by users who then reported them to the Internet Watch Foundation. The Internet Watch Foundation said that they weren't even investigating the big porn sites at that time. So after the New York Times article came out, Justin Trudeau actually responded the day after, kind of saying that he was concerned about what was going on. And then members of parliament in Canada called for an inquiry of you know, parliamentary investigation into MindGeek. For the first time ever, the CEO and the COO of Pornhub and MindGeek is the parent company of Pornhub that's based in Montreal that owns a monopoly on the global porn industry and most of the world's largest porn tube sites, just like Pornhub. They were called to testify. And that was the first time anyone had heard from them publicly or seen their faces. They actually had been using SEO companies to hide their identities, to conceal their names. The VP of Pornhub was using the fake names and identities of Blake White and Corey Price for years, speaking in the media in hundreds of articles using these fake identities. His real name is Corey Ehrman. He was actually called to testify in parliament. And then subsequently, the CEOs and the directors of the biggest child protection organizations in the world, the Canadian Center for Child Protection and the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children came to testify after them. And they said that In the last 10 years before the inquiry, MindGeek had not reported a single instance of child sexual abuse when that was actually required by law. It is illegal in Canada and the United States to be a corporation, to know about instances of child sexual abuse and not to report it. And they testified to this committee that they had not seen a single report from MindGeek and Pornhub for over 10 years. And I just cannot fathom how they could do that. And the number of victims who could have been protected if they were actually not trying to hide what was on their site to increase their own profits and not sully their name, but instead were actually reporting. That's actually the reality. And then finally, in a few weeks after they were exposed at the end of 2020, they reported over 13,000 instances of child sexual abuse uh, material a number of months after that, they reported 600,000 pieces of content that would be against terms of service, including rape, non-consensual content, child sexual abuse, pirated content, and that kind of material. And that was after they had deleted 10 million videos from the site already. So the problem is huge. And they were severely under-reporting or not reporting and covering it up. After the break, we'll take a closer look at what exactly has been done and where this movement is going. How was it able to go on for that long and not be brought to the 
attention of the government. I know that tech often flies under the radar when it comes, or it did fly under the radar when it came to laws, but like, this seems like a massive, massive oversight. And the fact that they're still operating is like, how is that happening? Sometimes I just want to pull my hair <laughs> thinking of this, you know, it's like, I asked myself that question so many times over the last few years, as this was all kind of unfolding before my eyes. And I'm so glad to see that they've been to a great degree exposed and held accountable by companies like Visa and MasterCard and Grant Thornton and Comcast and Xfinity and Roku, uh, who all have dropped them. And they can hardly find any legitimate advertisers to go on their site anymore, but they're still there. They're still operating. I don't see a criminal investigation that's been announced in Canada, even though it's very clear that not only were they not reporting just illegal, but they were also storing and possessing child sexual abuse material on their servers. They had admitted actually in, in trying to gaslight a victim who had come forward. They said, we went back on our servers and we looked because we have a library of every video that's ever been uploaded to Pornhub since its inception. And we can't find your video. In doing that, they admitted they actually possess and store every single video that's ever been on their site. That means that they are in possession of child sexual abuse material in mass, which is completely illegal. It's a federal felony in the United States. It's against the law in Canada and pretty much every country in the world. Also benefiting from the sex trafficking of minors, which is again, illegal in the United States. The fact that we don't, we haven't seen a criminal investigation in Canada is shocking. I hope that, you know, we will see some announcement at some point, but the way that this has gone on, I think it's because people are uncomfortable talking about pornography. And I also think that people are afraid to be attacked as a prude or not being sex positive or those kinds of things. If they speak about this, but the reality is it's not about porn. This is about sexual crime being filmed and globally distributed and monetized. And really everybody in the world should agree and can agree that no one should be raped for profit on the world's largest porn site. And actually that is why people from all backgrounds, we've seen conservatives and liberals and Republicans and Democrats and atheists and Christians and people from all kinds of backgrounds coming together. Even those in the porn industry, the most famous porn star of all time called mind geek monsters and said they needed to be crushed and held accountable for distributing child sexual abuse and facilitating trafficking. Her name is Jenna Jameson. So anyway, I'm encouraged by that. At the same time, we just need to have society that's more comfortable talking about these issues so they don't get hidden and, and swept under the rug for so long. If you look up Lila, you will find articles calling her anti-porn or anti-LGBTQ or painting her as some monster. She's clearly none of those things. It was absolutely false. It was a way for MindGeek and actually those things originated with MindGeek. I mean, I have emails from MindGeek spokespeople that journalists from around the world were sending me, showing me that instead of when this all started to go viral, instead of addressing the reality that their site was infested with children and victims of rape and sexual crime and trafficking. Instead of actually addressing that, what they did was they tried to attack the messenger. They tried to discredit me by lying about me, about my intentions, about the trafficking hub movement, fabricating these smears against me in order to try to create this illusion of division. MindGeek's worst nightmare was that there would be complete unity around the fact that they shouldn't be profiting from rape. 
that was something that everybody, like I said, could agree on and were. So we had, like I said, over 2 million people from 192 countries signing this petition, including thousands of those in the sex industry around the world. We also saw 600 organizations. These are feminist organizations, child protection organizations, anti-trafficking organizations from all over the world, survivors, all coming together, politicians from eight parties in Canada. I mean, when do you ever get politicians from eight parties to come together on anything? They're coming together on this. That was Pornhub's worst nightmare. So what they did was they tried to discredit an attack by trying to create an illusion of division of this being some kind of partisan religious issue. And that wasn't it at all. If you want to know more about Hashtag Trafficking Hub, I've linked the website and petition in the show notes. The organization has achieved a lot over the few years they've been around. And every day, they're gaining more momentum, more support, and more voices behind them. Well, one thing that I'm super encouraged about is not only the traction and that so many people have started talking about it, all, you know, all the media articles that have come out, the way that you know, companies have been disengaging with Pornhub. And, um, you know, recently it was, it was such a big win and that uh, for everybody that MasterCard actually changed its global policy on the use of its card on user generated porn sites to say that they now require that those sites verify the age and the consent of those who are uploading the content. I mean, you would think that that was common sense, that that should have been happening from day one when Pornhub went online in 2007, but it wasn't. And so you see major corporations taking those kinds of actions. They have anti-money laundering policies. So now they're implementing anti sex trafficking online policies. And the encouraging thing when a corporation like MasterCard takes that kind of action, companies like MindGate care more about their bank account than pretty much anything else. And so that's why you saw when MasterCard and Visa said they were investigating the site in December of 2020 after the New York Times piece, in 24 hours, they deleted 10 million videos from the site. 80% of the whole site was gone. And that was because they were afraid of what Visa and MasterCard were doing. When MasterCard implements that kind of policy, it takes effect immediately. It takes effect globally. And it's something that these companies are very incentivized to uh, comply with. So I hope to see other companies like Visa and Discover and PayPal and Google. Google is the lifeline of porn tube sites. One employee from MindGeek told me, Pornhub lives or dies on Google because it's all about traffic, selling advertising. Um, so we want to see Google implement safety policies like MasterCard. But we've also seen bills being introduced to require agent consent verification on user-generated porn sites. We've seen a bill in Canada that's even about consumer, so children not being able to access this content, requiring age verification for access to sites like Pornhub. And so with the corporate policy change, with the governmental policy change, with the awareness that's been raised, victims coming forward, I hope that they are able to recover massive amounts of money from Mindkey for what they've gone through. Not that any amount of money could ever do a dent in the harm that they've suffered, but still it's a measure of justice and it hits them where it hurts. And so I'm encouraged by that. And so I don't wanna see more of it. The mass sexual exploitation of people shouldn't be legal, especially for profit. That is a very difficult sentiment to argue with, but it's happening out in the open. She's not asking for porn to be banned. She's asking for a company that has promoted and benefited off of the sexual exploitation of who knows how many to be held accountable. So again, I've linked the petition and her website in the show notes. 
So if you want to follow this work and follow me, I'm posting about this all the time on my Twitter feed at Lila Micklewaite, my Instagram at Lila Micklewaite, same on Facebook. And you can also find my organization, Justice Defense Fund at justicedefensefund.org. And you can sign the Trafficking Hub Movement petition to shut down Pornhub and hold its executives accountable at traffickinghubpetition.com. Thank you for listening to Technality. It's hosted and produced by me, Jacqueline Swan. If you enjoyed this episode, subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you want more content about where our future is going, head over to Technology's YouTube page.